Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve presented by Deloitte. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and we're here with a very interesting panel and a topic that will mean something to all of you around the world. Let me tell you what we're talking about today. The COVID-19 crisis has challenged organizations in every industry. How? Challenge them to reimagine their business and focus on getting to that next normal. I call it the next reality. What does the future look like beyond the pandemic? We're all very hopeful there will be a wonderful future beyond it. So let me tell you a little bit more before I ask my guests to introduce themselves. Challenges related to environmental and social issues remain as large as ever, and no business is immune. And that's a medical word we're not sure we want to use right now. Why should these issues be front burner today for your company? We're talking to you, our listeners all over the world. How can you leverage intelligent solutions to put environmental issues and social impact at the heart of your business model? While increasing transparency, come on, everybody's asking for that, and unlocking long-term value for your enterprise and, of course, for your stakeholders. Listen today as Deloitte lays out a framework for how sustainable development goals, and you may know these as the SDGs, can enable and be enabled by a responsive, built-to-evolve kinetic enterprise. And that's our theme. I have three wonderful people from Deloitte here. They are specialists on this topic. We have Vincent Cruza, who's back. Vincent has been on several shows with me over the years. We have a newcomer to the Kinetic Enterprise podcast. It's Siobhan Gardner, and we have Bahar Hagshanas. And we're going to ask them about strategies for identifying actions and demonstrating impact across the entire value chain. And our topic officially is the Kinetic Enterprise, putting sustainability at the heart of your organization. Again, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. Let's go around the table and find out who's with us today. Vincent Cruza, nice to see you again. I will tell full disclaimer, we are here on Zoom video. So I have the privilege and the pleasure of watching my panelists think and speak. I call this nuanced radio. Vincent has been on with me many times before we went to Zoom. So Vincent, in case there are just a few people in the world who don't remember who you are, Shame on them. Why don't you introduce yourself to them again? Vincent, go ahead. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks very much. Great to be with you again. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yes, yeah, so hi, everyone. My name is Vincent Cruiser. Um, I own the Global Co-Innovation Agreement with SAP in the mobile enterprise space. But I also lead the Beyond Tomorrow program, which was a joint initiative between SAP, the UNDP, Deloitte, and Hewlett-Packard Enterprises where our key focus was to design and develop a platform that could be used by organizations and governments to show how we are moving the needle um, towards achieving these sustainable development goals. Thank you, Vincent. Question, can companies, are they able to pivot, be agile enough, be nimble enough, all those wonderful words we use today, to put sustainability at the core, at the heart, at the soul of their of their organization. You think it's really doable quickly, or is it going to take some work? Um, I think I think it really is doable. Yes, uh, I don't think it's going to happen quickly. There's just so much fragmentation in the, in the in the reporting space at the moment. Um, data is not as visible as what everyone would like it to be. So it is unfortunate to take a bit longer than planned, but it is definitely doable. 
I like the reality check and I like the optimism. Siobhan Gardner, newcomer. Welcome, Siobhan. We're so happy to have you. I will tell our listeners that Siobhan is in some kind of a gorgeous, uh, it looks like a a forest. It's a, uh, what is it? What is it, Siobhan, the setting behind you? I know there's a lake that's running or a stream. Are you in a, a jungle somewhere? Where are you? Well, I guess you could call it some kind of jungle. I'm actually in London, um, but I do have this wonderful <laughs> virtual background behind me um, that works very well because I have a very boring white wall, uh, which is which is the reality of where I'm sitting at the moment. Um, but Siobhan, thanks. would you please introduce? Oh, I love it. I just wanted to let you know I have the pleasure of, of watching you with this little stream bubbling behind you, and it's just, it's lyrical. It's beautiful, Siobhan. Good choice. <laughs> Siobhan, now officially, would you please introduce yourself to our listeners around the world? Who are you, and what's your passion for this topic? Thanks, Bonnie. And hello, listeners. Uh, So I lead the Climate Change and Environment Studio in Deloitte Ventures. Um, By background, I'm a farmer's daughter. I grew up in the south of England um, in a mixed race household. My mum is from India and my my dad is the Brit. Um, I trained as a biochemist. I've got a PhD uh, around plant sciences, crop sciences and ecosystem services. And over the last 10 years, I've sort of worked across um, several sectors in industry and academia and have sort of continued this journey towards becoming entirely absorbed by this purpose around using science and technology and partnerships as well to tackle really important sustainability challenges. I only actually joined Deloitte in January this this year, and my team leveraged these global technology alliance partnerships like that with SAP, uh, as well as startups as well to sort of create value and accelerate development of new tech-based solutions, um, looking at a variety of different project areas. But there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment. We've got projects on climate justice, financial inclusion, wildlife conservation, uh, even sort of smart energy systems and space technologies. It's all in there. Uh, But thank you for for having me on the show today. And I look forward to where this conversation is going to take us. Thank you, Siobhan. You're very gracious. I love the background and what you're doing now. You're busy. Your team is busy. And that's good. That's a good thing because that means forward motion, right? Optimism, good outcomes, positive forward forward looking and thinking. Thank you. And now let's go to our third panelist, also a newcomer, Bahar Hagshanas. Bahar, welcome. We're so happy to have you on the show today. Why don't you introduce yourself to our global audience? Go ahead, Bahar. Thank you, Bonnie, and great to, to be with you all. I'm not in a fancy place at all. I'm actually stuck in my basement in Copenhagen, surrounded by the kids' toys all over the, the floor. Um, so that's where I am. So I'm uh, I'm Persian-Swedish, uh, living in Copenhagen. I'm a partner in Deloitte. I've been that for the last uh, couple of years. And from 1st of September, I'm heading... Um, as an executive director of Acacia, which is an innovation hub actually only focusing on sustainable development and and trying to work with companies and organizations and partners to see how we can accelerate innovation across um, the value chain and ensure that we uh, more quicker can can achieve the sustainable development goals uh, and create a more sustainable path for our future. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. And it sounds like your family is very respectful of what you're doing. I'm sorry you're in the basement, but you have a lovely image of something, a picture or a mural, a poster on the back wall. And uh, and it's a very nice looking environment for a basement. So thank you, Bar. This is reality radio, just so everybody knows. And Vincent is in a, some kind of an office. It looks very official. Vincent, are you in a home office right now? Yes. Yes. Sitting in my home office. I've um, got a some pictures from the kids up on the wall on my right, my wife's medical diploma behind me. And, um, and you know, this is my, my, my little space where I can 
sit and get some quiet, but you might hear the kids through the wall. I can hear them jumping around in the playroom next door. <laughs> That's fine. Like I said, reality radio, I had a guest on a show last week who had her cat walking across the mantle behind her while she was speaking. And I finally just couldn't stand it. And I asked what the cat's name was and I welcomed the cat. The cat didn't want to introduce herself to the audience, but she had to be part of the show. So listen, we're, we're all, we're working remotely. This is the way it goes. This is life and this is reality. So now is the part of, and thank you all for your introductions. I appreciate those. Vincent, you're up first. Now is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie or a song, something that will, Snap the audience to attention and engagement. And the quote has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And they're going to tell us how in their way of thinking it does. So Vincent Cruz has sent us a quote from the character named President Jackson Evans, played by the one and only Jeff Bridges in the movie The Contender, 2000, that's the year, American political drama, and stars Gary Oldman, Joan Allen, Jeff Bridges, and Christian Slater, focuses on a fictional U.S. president and the events surrounding his appointment of a new VP. We're not going to relate that to current events at all. Here is the quote Vincent has picked, because that's the way it's always been done around here. Vincent, you got to explain this to me. What are we What are we talking about in terms of sustainability? Go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, yeah, I I really love the scene, and I mean, you don't actually need to watch the whole movie. You could just Google. You could just Google the quote and look for the scene, and it goes through the story of how of of, of the five monkey experiment. But it's you know not only is the story told in such a blasé tone, but I think the story does a great job of allowing people to ask themselves the question, you know, why are we doing the same thing over and over again? But if we relate it back to this topic, we need to change. We need to find an innovative way or innovative ways to really move the needle and to have a positive impact on the world around us. And I was going to say in my introduction, but I totally, totally slipped my mind, and that um, the whole sustainability topic was massively important to me growing up. So I grew up in a beach town on the, and um, you get to see firsthand the, the negative impact that, that pollution has on the environment. But even more now, having, having two little kids, just, you know, there needs to be some positive impact from our side. We need to have, and, and I really want to have that the ability to look my children in the eyes in 10, 20, 30 years time and say to them, you know, I've done everything I can to leave this world in the best condition possible for you. I love the way you express that. Thank you. I, I almost don't want to talk for a second and just let that sink in. That was beautifully put, Vincent. Thank you very much. And I hope your children come someday. I know they're young to appreciate your sincerity and, and your heart. Our topic is putting sustainability at the heart of the organization. Well, what about at the heart of the people in your organization? Isn't that, Vincent, really where it comes from? At the heart of the people? And then yep. into the organization has to start with people. Thank you. You just quieted me down. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> okay, Bonnie, get the energy back up. Let's move along. Siobhan Gardner has sent us a quote from the character known as T'Challa, played by Chadwick Boseman in Black Panther, the 2018 American super, I saw it, superhero film based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name. Uh, and it, there's so much I could say about it, but I'm just going to read the quote because it's also a lovely one. In times of crisis, the wise build bridges while the foolish build barriers. Oh, Siobhan, this one's giving me goosebumps. Go ahead. Tell us. How did you pick this one? Go ahead. 
Well, I think it's safe to say this is a quote that everyone needs right now. Uh, yep. We may interpret it in different ways, but I, th- I think it, it's, it's landing there with everyone. 2020 has been an interesting year, to say the least. It also marks the kickoff of the UN decade of action around these 17 sustainable development goals. But we're also in the depths of this global pandemic and facing arguably the biggest existential crisis that we've ever faced as a species, as a global community. And that is teetering on the brink of irreversible and accelerated climate change. And what do we do about it? Well, following on from Vincent's point, I think we have to work together. And I think um, all of us on this call believe that everyone everywhere has a part to play in this. And it's not a time to batten down the hatches and stick to what we're used to and to carry on as normal, because normal really isn't an option anymore. We have to think bigger and move forwards towards a better future for people and for planet. Um, so thank you really to the late and great Chadwick Boseman for mm-hmm. etching this quote into, into my brain. It comes up a lot, I think, in our discussions around sustainability. Beautifully put. Thank you also. We've got a lot of emotional quotes here, but I think what we're talking about is it goes to the heart of who the people are. If you don't believe this, if you don't embrace this, working for a company that does might change your mind, but your heart has to be in it too. I'm just going to put that out there. Bahar has sent us a very lovely quote. Another one. You three really knocked yourselves out on the quotes. I'm very impressed. This one is by a uh, Swedish singer-songwriter, Swedish singer-songwriter named Lala, L-A-L-E-H, from her self-titled debut album released in 2005. She personally wrote and produced the song, which was nominated as Song of the Year at the P3 Gold Awards. I'm not sure what country that's in. It became a success on Swedish radio station SRP3's radio show, Tracks. Okay, here is the quote. I'm going to read the the little stanza here, uh, Bahar, because it's so beautiful. I know we could live tomorrow, but I know I live today. I know we could live tomorrow, but I don't think we should wait. No. Ooh, ooh, Bahar, that's beautiful. Talk to me. Are you a big fan of her singing? And, and what does she sing like? What does it sound like? Yes, I am. And I always, almost go to, get goosebumps just hearing you say mm. those quotes. Um, I love Lale because I think I, I link to her on a personal level. She is also Persian and Swedish. Uh, as myself, she also grew up in, in Sweden as a, a child of a refugee family. Uh, so there is a personal link, and I love the way she puts the words. I love the way she um, both writes and sings herself and produces uh, the stuff she does. That's, that's a lovely entrepreneurship I, I, I just admire. On, on the lyrics, I think there is a couple of things here that is very much basically goes back to what Siobhan and Vincent also addressed. There is, a, there is an urgency in this, in this call, right? There is a need for us to act as individuals. We can't really wait because we live today and we need to take that responsibility to do something different from, from the generations before. And, and we, knew that, we know that we will live tomorrow and, and we know that our kids will live tomorrow and we have a responsibility to them and to each other to ensure that the, the country and the, the planet that we leave them are better uh, than the, what, that, that, that the one that we have uh, taken over. And I love the ending on that quote that says no uh, with a with a powerful no because there is another other opportunities we can't really wait uh, so so we have to act now and this this topic is not only essential for our companies organization but it's totally essential for the entire generation that lives on the planet today. Thank you, 
I'm, I'm quietly applauding the three of you for the beautiful quotes. These were some of the loveliest quotes I've heard in a long time. So thank you all for your thoughtfulness. I appreciate it. Now is the part of the show where we're going to dive into the discussion statements. You all also did a lot of work sending me some interesting statements about the topic. And here's how it's going to work. I'm going to read part of a statement. Vincent, we're going to go to your statement number one. I'm going to read it. Actually, it's short. I'll read the whole thing and ask Vincent to unpack it like they say on the news. Vincent will take about two and a half, three minutes to unpack it. And then I'll go around the table and ask Siobhan a very tough question, agree or disagree. And we'll see where she goes with that. And then I'll ask Bahar an even tougher question, agree or disagree with Vincent and or Siobhan. So you get the bigger picture of what they both say. Vincent, if we have time, I'll go back to you to wrap it up. And if I move on, Vincent, just wave your hand wildly. Say, I need to talk. I need to talk before I move on. And then I'll pick a statement from Siobhan and one from Barr. Let's see how far we get. So Vincent told me the following before the show. He really did. It's true. He said, for those organizations that wish to flourish, sustainability is not a choice. Stakeholders, whether investors or customers, suppliers or employees, regulators or broader society are increasingly demanding visibility of the contributions of the organizations they choose to interact with. Very broad statement, very interesting. Vincent, why don't you unpack this and then we'll go around the table, please. Thanks. And and the key word there for me really is visibility. And if if I look at a lot of the ways that sustainability reporting is done today, it is vague at best. And in many cases, it just looks at large sets of old data. Hmm. But if we, but um, the program that I referenced at the, and during my introduction, the the Beyond Tomorrow program together with SAP and the UNDP. We were in the process of developing a framework that helped us look at look across the entire value chain where you could get a near real-time view as to what the company is actually doing today. And that would go beyond what is just in the marketing, beyond what you see in reporting. And it would take that visibility down to a data level. So that means that you no longer... Um, basing your decisions based on what you see in the media. And there are a lot of really good stories in the media. I mean, there are mm-hmm. um, uh, sports shoe manufacturers that are um, plowing 70% or, or you know, 70% of the material being used in their clothing is all recycled material. So there's really good stories and people are making, are really making a large concerted effort to make a difference. But if we could see the data across the whole value chain, we could see what the true impact that, that organization has against their their region, their people, and and the world at large. Vincent, before I move to Siobhan and to Bahar, a question for you: How will it get better? How how will we get that keyword, as you said, the visibility into all of the value chain? What what has to happen? Briefly, access to data, and just and just having having organisations um, uh, share that data with the right people, so that so that you can get visibility to the right levels of data. Thank you. Siobhan Gardner, join us, please. Thoughts, agree or disagree? What do you think? Agree and a build. Good. With this, I mean, you know, over the last five years, perhaps, there's been a serious ramping up of just the general population, I think, globally getting involved with sustainability as as an agenda. Um, You know, from seeing these really... Um, sort of scary but enlightening wildlife documentaries uh, because we're spending a lot of time inside at the moment uh, obviously with with lockdown and everything else but we're we're sort of seeing these programs um, 
showing us you know the sort of real um, visceral effects that what we do is having on this planet and as a result of that it's it's driving consumers to not only just demand this this visibility and transparency um, but also you know this this is about um, where they're where they decide to to invest in and and put their money into select products. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that, yes, there is this sort of reputational risk around your consumer base and your stakeholders, but also from a technical feasibility point of view, if companies don't step up um, and address uh, these sustainability challenges across all functions of their business, not only are they going to get left behind by their customers, but given the changes that we're seeing in the environment, they will not be able to function because either their assets will be under threat or the supply chains will start falling apart because of, um, you know, if you imagine in, in the farming space, you've got, uh, if your soils are exhausted, you're not going to be able to produce and, uh, and get access to the commodities that you need to run your business. So I think there is this point around reputational risk and then there is also the actual um, the actual functional impacts of what climate and sustainability uh, issues have um, and the impacts that they have on your business if that makes sense it does and thank you reputational risk is a very good point uh, that, that's part of visibility N- not exactly what Vincent was talking about but it is that's part of visibility uh, Bahar please join us thoughts agree or disagree with either or both where do you sit it's a bit difficult to disagree, huh? So, so I definitely <laughs> agree with the discussion here. But I, I think it's so it's the transparency and, and visibility have to be there. But I think what we need to do to, to, to accelerate the transformation on sustainability in general is that we need to ask maybe different questions that we do today and we need to collect the data that is more transformative. And what does that mean? That means that we need to find the data points that make us go from A to B to B instead of just giving us this um, checkboxes that we have today very much uh, aligning us with each other. One thing that I think is an insp- inspiration to this, to this transformation that, could, that I would like to share with you is Denmark as a country have taken the sustainable development goals and all the 196, seven targets and transformed them into national measuring points. So they have identified local or national measuring points that are transformative for Denmark as a country. So instead of comparing ourselves with Uganda or with China or with India or with other countries, comparing us with ourselves and see if we want to transform our own society to be even more sustainable, how would that data look like? And what do we need to accelerate and where do we need to focus? So I think when we talk about data, we also need to talk about what what is the quality of the data and how do we ensure that the data we actually measure and gather is transformative enough to push us to do more and not to only give us the, uh, the, the green field of what we do already today is good enough. We don't want data that tells us is good enough. Um, and, and I think my experience the last two, 20, 10, 20 years looking at how organizations and companies have been working with sustainability across have been very much on a a compliance type of approach that we need to check the boxes, we need to be applied, we need to be compliant, but not trying to use the data to transform ourselves, to be a better version of ourselves as an organization, as a country. And I think that's where we need to to push the data uh, if we want to do the changes we need as a society. Thank you. Wonderful statements. Vincent, you started this part of our this thread. Any comments you want to make back to either of your co-panelists? 
Yeah, I, I really liked what Baha said there around, around, you know, using data to get from point A to B and using that data to transform. And mm-hmm. we have, you know, we have the technology today, we have the knowledge and we have the ability to, to use that data and to run large scale simulations against that data and, and other data in the, in the, um, in the world, whether it be benchmarking data or, or data sets from other, you know, anonymized data sets from other, um, um organizations to try and understand what is the next best step forward. We're not just, you know, we're not just all going to blindly follow one path because that's what, (laughs) because that's what we always did, you know, going back to my quote, but um, we need to have something that can help us make the right decision. And if we can simulate against that data and use that to, to determine what is, what is the real action that we should be taking to, to deliver real positive value? And I think that's something that we should really be looking into. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Good around the table. Siobhan Gardner, I'm going to your statements, and I think we're going to read number two, which is wide open for interpretation, and I'm looking forward to what you have to say. So Siobhan told me, she said, there are some important ingredients that cannot be ignored by businesses rising to meet climate change and sustainability targets head on. So why don't you elaborate for us, please, Siobhan, to you, what are those important topics? If you have a top three or a top five, we'd love to know. Go ahead. And I think it, this follows on quite nicely, actually, from the previous statement. Um, so I think it's very exciting. We start to think about how do we use data and reporting instead of for this tick box, instead of reporting for the sake of reporting? How do we instead use that to create um, a framework for decision support and action-orientated insights to help uh, companies and organizations uh, in all pockets of all industries to to accelerate towards their their climate and sustainability ambitions but in terms of those those key ingredients I guess I've, I've kind of got a top three I guess there's um, firstly you know when you're trying to embed a sustainability agenda in your organization this does tend to require sponsorship at the highest levels of your organization, you know, on the board, because without that executive backing, a sustainability strategy can end up um, sort of struggling to become to becoming embedded across your different functions to become business as usual uh, and may end up getting siloed, for instance, in a, in a communications team or an advocacy team. Um, but secondly, as part of business as usual, it's really important to ensure that, uh, as we've mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, that your colleagues across all functions live this and have this in their heart and that they are empowered to walk this purpose every day. And that, you know, understanding their role in that delivering growth and prosperity for your business sits hand in hand in ensuring the present and future prosperity of people and planet, like you mentioned before. And last but certainly not least, a business can't meet these targets on their own. Uh, it requires a much wider incorporation of um, sustainability and climate-led principles ac- across their wider value chain, which again follows on from, from Vincent's previous statement. So it's necessary to include your suppliers and your customers again uh, on this journey uh, and from these find collective and collaborative partners to move towards your targets together. And in terms of how you leverage uh, change across operations, it's really important to have the right management information as well, uh, as as this has a a sort of role in these mainstream disclosures as set out in any incoming mandated reporting around sustainability and and emissions. But we always have to remember that the greatest threat to an organization and the global economy, really, when when it comes to climate change and sustainability, is inaction. 
reporting is fine, but if we're, if we're not really acting on these insights, then then what is the point? Uh, the cost of doing nothing always vastly outweighs the investment required to decarbonize the economy when it comes to climate change. And action will need to be taken by every company everywhere if we're going to sort of uh, prevent the worst impacts of climate change. Thank you, Siobhan. I love the passion there at the end. I appreciate that. Wake, wake us up. I like that. Bahar. Please join us, agree or disagree. I think I know what you're going to say about what Siobhan just shared. Go ahead. I I would like to say I disagree just to create a moment and an an interesting debate, right? (laughs) But obviously I I agree. But but I think I would would like to take this a a step back because when we talk about sustainable development goals, so if we try to unlock that and and discuss what is that, what it is, is, is a description of the challenges we have in our societies. It's basically a catalog of the, the, the needs we have in our global society, on the environment, on the financial situation, on the social situation. And if you as an organization want to address or meet or support uh, the realization of the sustainable development goals, obviously you can't contribute to all of them. Uh, so you need to pick and choose between what, resources and what uh, IP and what kind of organization you are and how can you contribute to the solving some of these challenges in our society and in our, our environment. If that is the entry point, I think there is, from, from my perspective, only one way to go, and that is not reporting. That is not data. That is very much innovation. So we need to marry sustainability with innovation, and we need to take that new married couple into the board meeting. So we need to very much put this in the core of our business development, our rationale about how we develop our products, how we deliver our products, how we um, develop our new services. So I think the core root here is that if we want sustainability to be embedded in our organization, we have to stop talking about it as an additionality. It is a very much core of how we drive our business. And the only entry point for for that, in my perspective, is innovation. So from the day we start looking at innovation from a filter of of, of a sustainability perspective, so when we have an innovation pipeline, if we start looking at it from a, does this uh, new product or this new service or whatever we want to launch have a social and environmental positive impact? If that is yes, then that should be as valid and as interesting as a commercial uh, impact. I think when we are there, then we will transform our organizations. If we don't get to that route, we can still continue 10 more years to talk about reporting and compliance and legal frameworks, and we will never transform and meet the demands that the Sustainable Development Goals actually is pointing out. So I, I, I definitely agree with Shaban, but I think we need to accelerate this in a totally different kind of um, approach. And I would very much like to have this marriage between innovation and sustainability and make them move into the board meeting, because I think that's what we need. I like the metaphor of the marriage, a happy marriage, right? A happy happy marriage. A happy marriage and a happy, accepting and welcoming reception at the boardroom. That's what we want. Vincent, time for you to weigh in on this. What do you think? This was Siobhan's statement, and we've had Bahar answer some, add some very interesting topics to it. What do you think, Vincent? Where are you? Yeah, I fully agree. I've been typing out some notes here, so I'll see if I can make sense of, my, of, of, of the words I've scribbled down. But 
I really liked um, the word that Siobhan used around around inaction and and you know, something something needs to happen. Just sitting back is not is not good enough. But what I've seen so often, and no matter the size of the organization, no matter the size of the organization we work with, it um, at least in my experience, I've always found that the sustainability teams are quite small. So you have an organization that generates billions of dollars of revenue, but your sustainability team is made up of three to five people. And you're expecting those people to drive significant change, not only in the way the business operates, but also in the way the people think and the way the people act within the business. And that is, that is just not good enough. And if you have a team that small, there's no way that that, that board imperative and that board marriage is actually going to drive any positive action because they're just going to be massively overloaded with, with reporting, which is what happens today. Um, you know, um, I love I love the term innovation. So as the as the SAP innovation lead um, within Deloitte, um, I'm all about innovation, and I think that is that is really great. And it is, you know, we're seeing it in another organisation we're supporting at the moment, where where they find innovation too much of a risk, and we need organisations to be able to take those risks. You need to be able to to stand up, take a risk accept the challenge and make a difference because you're not willing to take that risk. It is then just inaction. Thank you. Very eloquent. Siobhan, you started this around the table. Any comments you want to make back to Bahar and or Vincent? Go ahead, Siobhan. Yes. I mean, given what we've uh, been seeing this year, um, you know, we, we've seen um, lots of companies that probably would have been up for lots of exciting experiments uh, in this in this space. And you know, I'm from ventures; we're all about experimentation uh, with with uh, with new areas of technology. Um, but because of what's happened this year, you know, lots of companies have had to double down um, and focus on protecting headcount and focusing on corporations. But you know, just because. COVID has happened, it doesn't mean that climate change and sustainability um, has to go on pause. Um, And I think what we're seeing now is this kind of the sentiment around the green recovery, that whatever comes next must and will be better. And that's a really exciting sentiment. We've seen that, uh, you know, in recent months with the announcement of the EU Green Deal and how kind of private and public sectors are sort of coming together. And moreover, there's sort of several areas, I guess, of uh, or lessons that we can learn from this kind of risk-averse environment that we're currently having to operate in um, that hopefully will help drive urgency. And broadly, I think those, those lessons are that, you know, Number one, human health and the health of the planet go together. Number two, that government action makes a big difference to fast moving change. Um, But also we must acknowledge the pivotal role of the private sector in aligning to that change. Um, And then, of course, like it's already been said several times today, the fact that all sectors, we're all in this together and global threats need global collaboration. Thank you very much. Very interesting thread. I just have an interesting comment. I think it's interesting. We talk about climate change, right? And what has COVID done? It's created a personal health climate change. Being able to breathe the air in a room full of people, being able to play music in a, in a concert with other instruments, being able to sing in a choir, being able to go to a restaurant, being able to have a family gathering. The climate for our health has changed. We didn't expect it. 
it's upon us. I just got word from my the homeowners association here in my community. They were allowing us to have up to 25 people in, in a double conference room at the clubhouse, which has been mostly closed for the past eight months. The governor of North Carolina just announced the rule is back to 10 people in a space because the numbers have gone up. The numbers have gone up. Interesting. So we're seeing this health climate change. And, and Siobhan very well put about climate change is, is tied to business, is tied to personal. Everybody really enjoying this conversation here. Uh, Bahar, I'm looking at your statement number one. There's some elements in here we haven't talked about much yet, and I'd like you to focus on a couple. The statement she sent me is, the sustainable transformation will require new ways of doing business, from new regulation, and we can talk about that, production and service models, to new products and measurement systems. Solving the societal challenges addressed by the SDGs will require collaboration across sectors and industries and a mindset of circularity. That's the word I want you to focus on. I've talked on some of my shows, not this year, about the circular economy. So if that's what you're talking about, Bahar, I think our listeners would really like to hear that. So go ahead, Bahar, what's your thought on this, please? Great. Thank you, Bonnie. I think maybe just start from from a a perspective that I think we need to shift. I think we need to shift the conversation about sustainability to be around a threat, uh, something that is riskful to something that is opportunity driven. I think if we could do that, if we as, as professionals and supporters and facilitators in this transformation uh, and in dialogue with organizations and company can shift our conversation to an opportunity-driven perspective, I think we will be able to include more people, decision-makers. We will create a movement because everyone wants to be a part of something positive. And, and I think that is one of the key drivers about my marriage on, on innovate, this innovation couple that I want to put into at the, to the board. Because if the perspective is that we already have, we already have a lot of the technologies we need to make a circular economy. We already have a lot of the power and knowledge we need to do new regulation and new type of production if we only want to. So, so there is there is a there is a shift, shift that we need to do in the conversation here. And I the last couple of years I've been working with over 60 small, medium-sized companies, actually, because we all always talk about this large corporation, this large organization can drive the transformation. But the smaller organization who are the backbone of our economy, right, who are the backbone of our societies, they have a really key role to play. And during my work with these 60 companies, we have developed a lot of new products, uh, products from how you can take uh, producing blood protein to fight uh, malnutrition. How can you use software to support and anticipate climate change? How can you take something that is uh, windshields into glue for the painting industry? So there is a lot of innovation out there that we need to accelerate to solve these challenges. And back to your comment on circularity, mm-hmm. Bonnie, there is there is a there is a when you enter this discussion about sustainable innovation and product development, circularity is one of the levers to deliver on that. So that would be a very natural part of our business rationale because sustainability will drive that reuse, recycle, and again, uh, enter that back to the loop, right? So I think the key here 
is to see how can we, one, change the conversation from a risk perspective, a threat perspective, to an opportunity-driven discussion. Because that, back to the conversation we had before, is easy to onboard with the executives and the CEOs and the politi politicians and decision makers. Two, how can we ensure that sustainability becomes a very natural part of our innovation rationale? Not a risk perspective, but a business development innovation part. Um, and the second is, how can we ensure that the new regulation actually support this sustainability uh, innovation that we actually need to do? Let's take an example. We have been talking about plastic for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. To, 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 to manage the challenge of plastic, we need to have both the regulation part. We need to have a regulation around how do we actually produce, how many types of plastic do we mix uh, to ensure that we can reuse the plastic in the end of the life of the products. So there is, a, there is this synergy between the regulation innovation that we need and the product innovation that we have to put in place and then the supporting of, of CEOs and executives to actually make this happen. I think I just took it all around in the statement. Thank you, Bahar. You mentioned so many interesting things, but you, you read my mind. You I read did. my mind. You did, because I was going to go to, if we had time at the end, I was going to sneak in a question to you about Acacia or Acacia, the innovation hub that you work with. I was going to ask you to talk, the sustainable innovation hub. I was going to talk to ask you to talk about some of those companies you've worked with, and you just blended it in to that statement. And I was texting with Igosa, who's, who's here, who supports these shows. And I said, she just talked about it. That's exactly <laughs> what I had on my list. So thank you for bringing that in. Very important example. Vincent Cruzo, whether you know it or not, not, you're sitting virtually next to Bihar. So I'm going to ask you to agree or disagree. And of course, we know where you're going to go, but add some <laughs> thought leadership to what she just said, please. Vincent, you're up. Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah. So, so <laughs> once again, definitely agree. <laughs> no, please um, do disagree. disagree. <laughs> <laughs> she dares you. <laughs> Give me a moment to think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sustainability is dead. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> Delete. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think I think the circular economy is such an important topic. And uh, you know, while Bahar was talking, it reminded me of something that I read um, online a little while back, where there was a um, a French car manufacturer that is now refurbishing used parts. So they are, um, in many instances, buying back used vehicles, refurbishing those parts, and. And selling them either on the second-hand market or using them in, in repair work or in certain cases where possible, even using them um, within, the, within the manufacturing process of um, uh, building new cars because the part is still good enough in, um, to be consumed in that instance. But um, Baha mentioned something around, around opportunity and it needs to be opportunity-driven and I think, I think a lot of the questions out there are still around, so what does this do for our bottom line? So uh, uh, become carbon neutral or uh, use recycled products to manufacture my products. But, but what is the financial imperative for me? What is, like, where is that impact on our bottom line and how do I return value to my shareholders? Now, the... The simulation that I mentioned earlier, we were actually looking at a version of that simulation where we could not only incorporate the sustainability data, but also incorporate financial metrics into that as well. So we wouldn't just be providing you insights into action in order to achieve your sustainability development goals. 
or to reach your net zero targets, but at the same time also achieve your um, um, year-on-year growth from a financial perspective. So we could, and we and and um, the proof of concept that we des- that we drew up and designed would actually, if it had to come to life, provide someone with the ability to not only show how you can achieve your sustainability goals, but also how you can achieve your financial goals as well and drive a positive financial um, impact in your organization. Glad you brought that up. Bottom line is always, always, how do you survive as a company? The word business, you gotta gotta pay somebody to do something. Somebody has to be able to survive as a benefit of the business. Siobhan, would you please join us and thoughts on any or all of what we just talked about, circularity, and go ahead. Yeah, and I think this is something that all three of us do it do sort of day in day out with our clients really um or, or, or the companies that we work with it's very much around like how do we get them on side with the vision that it is possible to do well and do good at the same time these aren't sort of exclusive um sort of goals it, it can be something that that forms part of the of the same strategy um so that was kind of like the the first thing but um perhaps talking a bit about some, some sort of more um personal experience that I've seen over the last few years, um, you know, we've mentioned plastic waste. Um, over the last three or four years, I've had the privilege of working with several social enterprises um, in, in geographies such as Sub-Saharan Africa and Southeast Asia that are seeking to address the vast amounts of, of plastic waste building up in their communities. Um, we've seen that this can cause some terrible acute crises, such that as, the, as these waste streams build up, um, in these areas, whether it's causing localized flooding from blocked storm drains, but also where that plastic ends up once it's in the water system as well. Um, and, you know, whilst we've seen organizations, larger organizations in the food and beverage industry now say, right, we're going to set some really ambitious targets around 100% renewable recyclable packaging by um, 2025 or 2030. Um, there is now this sort of um, technology gap that's been identified that lots of startups and innovative companies are now looking at, which is around, again, this this poor transparency in in supply chains, um, especially around these secondary materials and new value streams um, where there's been sort of evidence of exploitation, poor wages and and child labour. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how when we build these innovation ecosystems with these startups looking at these challenges that don't just touch on one sustainable development goal, but several uh, at the same time, how can we show to um, other companies, larger organizations that in order to achieve their, their goals, they do need to um, pitch in, willing to experiment, you know, take on and pilot some of these initiatives within their organization. Because, um, you know, and, and this is actually maybe a question to, to, the, to the two of you, uh, Vincent and Baha. Um, if you had, a, if you had a, an organization that said, you know, we'd want to do this, we see the opportunity, but we don't think we can do it right now, what would you say to them? Let's open it up. Bahar, you want to answer first? Yeah, what would I say to them? Um, I think it, it so, so it, this goes back to the discussion about how do we ensure that the commercial value of this actually brings, brings on the table, right? Hmm. And I think there is one thing that we need to definitely ensure in the conversation, uh, going back to the whole idea of opportunity and innovation-driven dialogue, that we need to make sure that the business case and the commercial value is on the table, which is 
actually been the case with all the companies I've been worked with the last years, also the smaller ones. They don't have the resources to experiment if they don't have and they don't see the value creation in short term financially. With that said, I think there is a need for something else. Uh, and this is this is nothing that that is able to do during uh, overnight, but something that I think our society needs to embrace moving forward. And that is our our definition of value creation. We have a very narrow definition of value creation in our corporation and businesses today. The way we define value is purely on financial value creation. If we want to create this impact and the transformation we need to do as a society and as businesses, we need to start measuring each other and ourselves on other values than only the commercial. This goes from the top on the CEO level or executive levels to the bottom on the KPIs that you are measured and paid for, right? I think that is one of the key things that we can internalize in our corporations. And if we could do that, then it's much easier to also take the long-term risk in actually transforming your organizations uh, to a more sustainable production or pattern. Thank you. I just want to make sure I have to tell you we have four minutes left and I want to make sure we get time for a, a comment back from Vincent on this. Thank you, Bahar. Vincent, in answer to Siobhan's challenge posed to both of you. What do you think, Vincent? Um, yeah, I mean, I fully, I fully agree once again. And, and you know, it's a, I don't think money should ever be a problem. I think, I think you know, um, we all work for organizations that are big enough. We are all partnered with and have alliances with organizations that are big enough and wealthy enough to support the right initiatives and to innovate in the right space. And that should never be a, a, a blocker for anybody to do the right thing. Very well put. Very interesting. Siobhan, thank you for posing that. Bahar, go ahead. We're tight on time. Take a minute, please. I I agree with you, Vincent, but the reality is is that we are, right? The reality Mm -hmm. is that there is still uh, this perspective and perception that sustainability is a cost and that that is difficult to create the business case around it. And I think we need to break down that barrier. And one way of doing that is also to start talking about and actually measuring other value creation that this actually brings to the table uh, than the commercial value and the short-term turnover. Thank you. I'm going to go quickly to our crystal ball predictions round and looking at the clock, I have about 45 seconds for each of you. So you can take 45 seconds or one sentence with two commas and one semicolon. Vincent, I'm putting you on the spot to do our first prediction on the topic. Vincent Cruza, go. Um, Trust. I mean, for me, it just it just it just comes back down to trust. I think if you know, if we look at businesses and the impact that they have on the earth, their promises, um, it's trust. You need to be able to trust those businesses, and if there's no trust, there's no positive relationship, and it'll be difficult to move to to move towards a common good. Thank you. Common good keywords there, Siobhan Gardner. You're up. Prediction. What do you see? a cascade of predictions if we don't get our act together (laughs) so if that's all right that's what I'm going to do so you know if we don't get this right by 2030 then the Arctic's going to be regularly sort of experiencing um, no ice caps um, on a regular basis this means global warming is going to accelerate this could set off a cascade of lots of terrible things like permafrost melting in the 2040s by 2050s it's, it'll be likely that we'd probably lose all of our coral globally that will affect fish stocks and millions of livelihoods and the sort of doom and gloom continues but 
all hope is not lost. We still have time to sort of halt and even reverse some of the damage that we've done to this planet. And it's possible for us to meet this, the, these, um, these sustainable development goals from accelerating a shift in renewable energy to restoring biodiversity and ecosystem services whilst also ensuring that no one is left behind. But that all depends on how we rebuild, rebuild our relationship with nature. Um, but if we can, we can restore our home, this planet we call Earth. Thank you. That was one very long sentence, but beautifully done, Siobhan. I let you I let you keep going. Bahar, you get one sentence. We have about a minute and a half to close. Bahar, you get 60 seconds. Go ahead. Great. I think we need courage. <laughs> we need people with courage. We need people, part politician with courage. We need business people with courage. We need people to take risks and do things that we haven't seen before. Um, that's the only way we can develop new solutions to the challenges we face as human, humanity. Thank you. I'm so impressed with the three of you. Your level of passion and engagement with the topic was wonderful. We always get wonderful, wonderful panelists on the show. I've been chatting with Igosa, who thanked me for mentioning him on the air. Igosa, you're a hero. Everybody, let's have a round of applause for Igosa for working so hard behind the scenes. And Carla Neal at Deloitte for putting together these shows. Wonderful job. And thank you to Helen Tomas also for being a sponsor. And thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire. Thank you, Aaron, for getting us on the air. This show is live on Friday the 13th, 2020. Oh, my goodness. And it's going to be a good luck Friday because you're all here with me. We are pre-recording just as a note to everybody. So I want to thank all of you very, very much. And I want to say, remember, this is the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve. Go out and do something good. Be inspired, please, by our by our guests today. Be inspired by their commitment and their passion for people and planet. They both go together. We want the earth to be a good place for Vincent Cruz's little children when they grow up and everybody else's too. We want that jungle behind you, Siobhan, to be sustainable, even though it's virtual. And Bahar, we want everything good for you and your family as well. So Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Everybody wave. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.